0: I'll say there ain't nobody not out there that even wants to be a little bit mellow now, is there? Anybody wants to get mellow, you can turn around
3: and get the fuck out of here, all right? This is the Trunk Nation Podcast, podcast. with host A Trunk.
1: Hey folks, what's up? It's Eddie Trunk and this is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. New every Thursday, bringing you podcast interviews with some of your favorite artists in the world of rock and metal. And as I tell you each and every week, the interviews you are about to hear on this podcast, all of them originate on my Sirius XM radio show, Trunk Nation, which you can hear live Monday through Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Volume. That's Sirius XM Channel 106 or listen anytime on the SiriusXM app, whether you listen to it streaming live or on demand, however you want to do it, everything is archived on the app, including interviews and more. Of course, the show replays every night, 10 to midnight Eastern, and I appreciate everybody tuning in around the US and Canada. If you only listen to this podcast, you're only getting a tiny fraction of what I do on a daily basis live on the radio, so please be sure to come on and join us on volume on 106, also a sixth radio show which you can hear on Mondays, 5 to 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Channel 39, Hair Nation. That is music and talk. So six live shows a week on Sirius XM. Be sure to join me there, again, if you are in the U.S. or Canada. After a few weeks, I'd like to bring you some of the interviews that I did live on the radio here on the podcast. We have two for you this week. Coming up a little bit later on will be my conversation with Les Claypool. Les is the bassist and the lead member of the band Primus. They are going out on tour once again, where they will play the Rush album, A Farewell to Kings, in its entirety. We talked to Les about that and his love of Rush coming up in a bit. But first, we start off with Corey Taylor. He, of course, from Slipknot and Stone Sour. Corey is, uh, and of course, a solo career now, which Corey is working on a new uh, record of covers as we speak. Uh, Corey chimed in to talk about a movie that he has a role in and of course we touch on a bunch of music stuff as well we'll talk to Corey taylor first we'll follow with Les claypool that's what we have for you on the eddie trunk podcast this week be sure to follow me on social media at eddie trunk twitter instagram fan page on facebook eddie the website keep up with everything i have going on on those outlets and coming up a little bit later on we have Les claypool of primus but as promised here is Corey taylor I've uh, been a little while since I spoke to this guy. He's joining us now live on the phone. You know him best as the lead singer in Slipknot, but he's got a ton of other stuff he's always got going on as well. Joining us now live on Trunk Nation is Corey Taylor. CT, how are you, brother? My
3: man, how you doing, dude?
1: <laughs> Good, man. You know, every time, you know, I got a place in Vegas now. You don't live far from me, and every time I see our right. mutual friends like Throne and these guys, I said, where the fuck is Corey? I said, when does he put me on the pay no mind list? Is he just like scarce? Does he hide in the desert? Like, where is this guy? And they all say, no, Corey doesn't go out. When he's home, you don't see him. He doesn't go out.
3: Are you Howard no, Hughes out there or what, man? No, no. I I, don't, I, I go out <laughs> once in a while. But dude, for me, like over the years, it's just gotten bad. You know, like, I can't... Wait, wait, what do you mean it's gotten bad? What's gotten bad? I can't, well, I can't go anywhere and relax, man. Like, I'm um, I'm constantly, you can ask the band, you can ask my wife. Like, it's, it's a constant battle of who's going to come up in the middle of dinner and ask for photos? Who's going to, oh. you know, if I'm out with the kids, um, who's going to... I mean, dude, I was in a Target, fully masked, with my kids, <laughs> buying a Halloween candy, for God's sakes. And it was like people tried to turn it into a meet and greet. So it's hard. It's hard for me, man. Like, it's just you been know- the last few years. Um, but it's just something that, you know, I don't party anymore. So I don't really go out. Um, there's not a lot of shit. There's, you know, the last few years, there haven't been any shows really, you know, I mean, there's yeah. more coming now. Oh yeah. I'll probably do. I'll go to more shows and stuff, but for the most part, I just do dinner or I hang out at my house or, I just jam with people here, you know. So if you want to come see, if you want to see me, I'm going to have you over for dinner. So that's oh, let's that's do what it. We're going to do. Let's yeah, do it. But absolutely.
1: I got, I got. I'm not. I'm not going to reveal my spots. But I got <laughs> spots that are super under the radar and super low key. To the point that I took slash to one of them before the first night of GNR five years ago, and we had a great night out. So he oh, could right fly on. under the radar. I got, I got, we'll talk, I'll talk, I'll hit you up next time I'm there. But I miss you, yeah. man. I wanted to just catch up and see how you're doing. And uh, I know you've got a, a movie you want to talk about. And... Uh there's a lot to cover here, but tell me about this movie because I know you've always had an interest in horror movies. I know you've done some stuff like that in the past and you got something coming here that I saw the trailer for called Rucker, uh, Rucker, which comes out this Friday. Tell us about this.
3: Yeah, man. I mean, it's honestly, it's, it's a little, it's a, it's a, it's a low budget movie um, with a ton of talent like attached to it. Um, Aaron Drain, who I worked with on Fear Clinic many moons ago, uh hit me up cuz he was working on this movie um in uh northern northern Washington state, like up in the Seattle area. And he just was like, you know, we've got this we've got this movie that we're working on. I had a blast with you in Fear Clinic, would you like to be a part of it? And I was like, sure, you know. So me and the wife actually flew up there and uh they, you know, my uh the wife hit it off with everybody so well that they ended up casting her in it as well you know and it's just it's just a cool little tight kind of psychological thriller that is it's it was a lot of fun to do we had a blast doing it um and i play a dude i play a trucker called taco tuesday and it's it's, (laughs) it's as funny as it sounds like there's some there's some really good humor to it but there's also some great drama there's some some character study and the gore is really good. So I, I think if people are into, you know, cool little small budget horror movies, they'll they'll really really dig it. You know, and it came out really well.
1: What uh the the story? What I've been able to get from the trailer and the synopsis and all is that the story basically revolves around a truck driver, a deranged truck driver for the most part, right?
3: right. Yeah, he's a he's a serial killer. Um, and it's kind of based loosely on some real accounts, uh, like the I ninety five killer, uh, the uh, Lisk, uh, the Long Island serial killer who kind of killed up and down, um, it, but they kind of tied him to more uh, more murders like up and down the Eastern Seaboard. So, I mean, it, there, there's a basis in reality there, but it's a completely uh, a completely uh, different like fictional story, uh, and it deals with uh, a trucker who's a part of a documentary Um, turns out this trucker is a serial killer. And then uh, the documentarian kind of gets caught up in his life in a, in a really cool, unexpected way. Like you have to watch, I don't want to give too much away because there's a nice twist there, but it's, it's really, really cool. And uh, you know, like, I mean, I'm I'm not in it a lot. Um, So when I got to see it, I, uh, I was like, I I really kind of paid attention to the movie itself. And I was like, I was like, this is really really good man so it's uh i I think people will really really dig it
1: now are you not in a lot because they cut you or because you didn't have a big part
3: (laughs) (laughs) i'm no no shakespearean (laughs) actor but no no i only had i only had a couple of scenes in it um i was like my character doesn't play a big part in the story the story is really revolves around rucker the the truck driver and uh the the documentarian and just that that their whole interaction and their backstory so i'm a bit part um you know the one thing i'm jealous of is the wife got to get killed like so she they rigged her up with like the (laughs) the, the prosthetics and the you know the 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 fake blood pumps and stuff and all i got was i got to you know i got to break a pinata screaming i was just like what the hell dude you know like this is this is kind of messed up. I want you know, I wanted to flood <laughs> pumping and stuff. So
1: so you, so you basically, um, for, for people who are fans of yours and there's many that are looking for you in this film. Is it like, don't blink. Are you going to miss it? Or is, or oh, are, no, no, or no, no, you no, have, no, no, no. You I've have, got, you got, have like some, lines and
3: stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like I've got oh, okay. some scenes, uh, some long yeah. scenes actually. Um, but like uh, it's, it's in the first half of the movie. Um, the, the the last app really is tied to those characters. It's really good. Um, but it was, like I said, man, it was a lot of fun. You know, like it was honestly, it was two days of work. And we were in and out. And it was, uh, you know, it was just good hanging out with people. You know, the cool thing is, is that they tied, they filmed it using all local people. Um, and, and this was before the pandemic. So, had, you know, this wasn't shut, like nothing was shut down. Like this was all, this was years ago, really. Um they used local people, they used local actors, they you know, like all these people that and really tied it to the community itself, so it was really cool to see them using the talent that they did. instead of a lot of people farm it out and bring you know bring stuff in from out of town and whatnot, and they were actually able to give real good work to the people around uh the Seattle area
1: oh, you did it in the Seattle- I was going to ask you where you did it around Seattle, that's where it was shot,
3: yeah, 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 it was uh. Like the upper, like uh, upper Northwest, basically Pacific Northwest up in that area. It was not too far from Seattle. We are about, let's say we we're like maybe an hour or so outside of town.
1: So you and your wife are in it. And for you, did you, did you, uh, have you ever taken acting lessons? Like how serious are you about wanting to act going forward? You like just doing fun stuff like this or you know, low budget, or do you have a, a, a an aspiration to actually do bigger things and want to be an actor? No,
3: I I honestly, you know, the coolest, you know, honestly, like all of this stuff is extra, you know, like I'm, I'm just happy to, to come in and do some stuff. Like I'm not like, nobody's handing me an Oscar, you know, they're not going to cast me in a Broadway play or anything like that, you know, and that's fine. I like doing this stuff and I'm more, my aspirations lie more with writing movies and having them done, uh, not so much like trying to be an actor who leads uh, leads a project. You know, if, if I got offered that, I'd be totally down with it. And I would, you know, I would do my very best to try and be the best in it. But for me, the, the part that gets me excited is creating the scenarios and creating the world and creating the the stories and stuff. And, uh, I'm actually about to shoot the, uh, my first movie that I've, I've actually gotten commissioned, uh, zombie versus Ninja. It's, it's, we're we're starting pre pro in April and we're going to shoot in June. So I'm really really excited about that. You're directing it? No 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 no. Uh, Mike Mendez is directing it. He's done a uh, he's done a ton of stuff. But people would know him from uh, Tales of Tales of Halloween and uh, 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 Big Frickin' Spiders. Um, he's really really good and he's a horror nerd like me. So uh, he and I and Greg Grunberg. Uh, who people would know from a ton of stuff like lost um, he's in star wars star trek like all that stuff Um, we're like we kind of combined forces and we're gonna we're gonna get this made it's a it's it's gonna be rad dude like we've got the financing um, looks like we're gonna shoot like I said in June Uh, we just need to start casting we've got a handful of names who are gonna be in it um, but we need to get the, the main cast done and uh, because of my relationship, uh, Tom Savini and his crew are going to do uh, most of the special effects.
1: Oh wow, that's huge! That's huge. Yeah. So you wrote yeah. it? Did I'm you sure. write this?
3: Yeah, yeah. I wrote it. I wrote the I wrote the 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 main script, the main script, uh, and and conceived the story. And then I had a couple of uh, script writers come in. Uh, Diego Cantu did a pass on it, and then when Mike got attached, uh, he he worked. Uh, he and I worked on a on a, uh, uh, a pass through that kind of expanded everything. So I'm really, I'm stoked, man. Like it, this, this is something that I've always wanted to do. Like, this is one of the, one of my, uh, 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 bucket list things really is to see a movie project from soup to nuts, from start to finish from, from ink on page to, uh, the step and repeat at the movie theater. you know? So I'm, I'm really, I'm really proud and excited. Have you,
1: being predominantly in the rock business, have you talked to people in the rock world? Like another, uh, the obvious guy that comes to mind is a guy like Rob Zombie. Have you have you talked to people who also have done things like this for advice or instruction at times out there on
3: the road? I haven't. I haven't had a, t- a chance to really talk to Rob about it, but I talked to Clown about it because um, you know he. Yeah, uh, you know, I saw the film. He done a did a couple of moments. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead.
1: No, I was going to say, I saw, I forgot about that because that, he did a film, which he was in and I think did, he directed as well. Cause I saw it like a couple years ago.
3: Yeah. Officer down. Yeah. Like it, yes. it was, it's really good. It's pretty gonzo. It's out there. Like people, if you're into it, like people would love it. And it's, that's an adaptation of a comic book, um, which is really cool. It's a graphic novel, uh, that I actually have. And when I, when I heard that he was attached to it, I was like, oh, this is going to be dope. So, yeah. So, uh he kind of roped us all in cause I'm in that too. Um, I played hard, hard case Harry and, uh, it's, uh, it was a lot of fun watching him work and, and getting to work with like all the people that were involved. But I talked to him about it, man. And actually me, him and Roy Mayorga are going to score this movie, uh, which is like a meeting of great minds. We're going to take it in a really heavy, like industrial kind of vibe, like really take it into Uh, like a rad realm of cool music landscapes and stuff.
1: It's zombie versus ninja. Is that what you said it was? Ninja versus zombie? That's
3: it. Yep. ZVN zombie versus ninja. Yeah.
1: Zombie. So you think that gets out this year or are you looking at next year?
3: I'm hoping maybe next year. Um, it all depends, you know, I mean, the great thing is, is that, you know, when it's your first movie, Yeah. The really, the the one thing that you really want to do is just try and get that done, you know? And so there's no real timeframe. Um, once we get it shot, I want to make sure that it's exactly what we want to put out. Um, I want to make sure that it's exactly what the vision deserves. So I'm not going to rush to get it out. I want to make sure that it's done right. Um, hopefully, um, either, either beginning of next year, or if it's, if it goes really well, you know, hopefully the the end of this year. But like I said, I mean, unless it's done, done, I don't want to put it out. So we're going to make sure that it's done right. So maybe hopefully next year.
1: Last thing on movies. And again, you can see Corey and his wife and the entire cast in a movie called Rucker, uh, R-U-C-K-E-R. It is available tomorrow, video on demand and the the usual places where you get stuff, Blu-ray, DVD as well. Corey, what was the movie the one movie that blew your mind as a kid that made you a horror fan what's the one that still oh. resonates with what's the all-time favorite
3: halloween 78 100 percent, dude i was and and that this was just based on the trailer alone i my mom took me to do you remember the old gil gerard uh buck rogers movie you remember that the the disco in space movie everybody's in satin and
1: like yes, it was really, yes, like, yes.
3: It was cool. Yes. You know, yes. uh, my mom took me to that because, you know, obviously I was a Star Wars kid. Um, I was about five, you know, when this was going on. And, um, you know, so she took me to that to kind of, you know, get me to shut up or whatever. But the trailer before that movie was the trailer for Halloween. And, it's, and you can look it up online. And to this day, I watch it. And it gives me chills. I was so fascinated and mesmerized by that trailer that it was the only thing I wanted to see. And as soon as I, as soon as I was able to, um, I watched that movie. And to me, it, w- it was life changing. It, it was that movie was as uh, big a moment for me as star Wars was let's put it that way. Um, yeah. and it's still to this day, one of my absolute 100% favorite movies of all time.
1: So on the music front, I know you just did some uh, huge shows with Slipknot, the Fest Road show out there. I know there's another yeah. block of shows coming up, a month, and then a, it looks like a month off, and then a month on again. Uh, put out a new song, Killer, the Chapel Town Rag. So give us the update on the music side. I know more live shows coming. What's the timetable for the actual record to come?
3: Record is actually uh, in, the, in the process of being mixed right now. Like Everything's finished. Um, so it's just being mixed right now, which is rad news, so it's probably gonna take it's i think it's probably gonna be another three months um artwork's done we just came up with a title i'm not gonna tell you it right now um but we're uh we're really stoked um so hopefully uh three months from now uh well less than that we'll get the single out and then three months from now we'll get the album out um and it's uh it's 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 really killer man it's 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 darker then we are not your kind, but there's a ton of melody. I've been telling everybody that it's more of, it's like a heavier version of volume three. Like it's just, it's got so many textures and layers and they the, you know, the heavy stuff has attack, but the melodic stuff really, you can just sink your teeth and there's a lot of great melodies and hooks. And I'm, I'm really, really excited for people to hear it. Um, uh, as far as that goes, that's, that's the Slipknot end. Um, CMFT is putting out uh, uh, a B-Sides album, which has all of the covers that we've done and some acoustic versions of some of the songs that are on CMFT. Uh, the first single will actually be February 11th, and, uh, and people will be able to, to download that. and It's our cover of On the Dark Side. Uh, by John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band, which is one of oh, the wow. best rock tunes ever. It's one of our favorites to play live. We love digging into that. Um, and then uh, that the the CMFB sides will come out uh, February 25th. Um, it'll be uh, available everywhere. It's gonna it's it's we're really stoked on that too. So um, that's uh, the music side. Plus, I've got some some collabs coming up. Um, the track I did with a band from LA called Horror will be coming out soon. It's looking like I'm going to do a video with them for that. And uh yeah, I mean it's uh it's it's everything's coming up roses, Lydia. You know, it's going to be rad.
1: <laughs> as far as playing live, you've got the Slipknot stuff that's announced. Do you do you want to spike in where you can still doing shows with the solo band as well?
3: Is I'm that doing still a little stuff here and there? Yeah, I mean we just yeah. did Chiprock, um which was a lot of fun. Like that was kind of unexpected too because we were you know, we were officially, we were effectively done, you know, and then uh, a bunch of bands dropped off ship rocked and they hit us up and they were like, do you want, do you want to do it? Cause I was going to go anyway, just because the cherry bombs were on it. And you know, it's my wife's group. And I was like, all right, let me see if everybody's available. And we were able to put it together and, we went and had a we had a blast with everybody, I gained so much weight, dude, it was so <laughs> brutal like there's there's no reason to have twenty four hour pizza okay that's not that's not right, yeah, there is if it's you want be if right, you want to gain a it's, ton of weight, it's like heaven, it's heaven, Corey <laughs> oh, dude. it was insane, dude, it was brutal, so yeah, um i uh, yeah no, but we went out we had a great time um it's looking like we're gonna do. Uh, a handful of shows in the UK uh, in October um, kind of, uh, kind of uh, threaded around uh, the, the Slipknot um, schedule. So, you know, we're just kind of doing it here and there while we, you know, kind of gear up. I mean, like I told you last time, CMF two is written. It's demoed. It's ready to go. Plus we're constantly writing new stuff. So we're going to be in a great position next year, probably to, to go in and record CMF two and just be ready to kind of do that. But that's obviously after, you know, Slipknot has kind of done its thing.
1: You know, real quick. It's funny when you talk about uh, playing on that, that cruise recently, because I was, last time I was in Vegas, I don't know, three, four weeks ago, I went and I got coffee with Tyson Leslie. Do you know Tyson?
3: I know Tyson.
1: Yeah, So Tyson was there because he was doing some stuff with Jason hook and he said, I'm here doing stuff with Hook for this Ship Rock cruise. And he goes, We're going to do this jam thing. And he said, Let's get together and get a coffee. So I went and met him. We had a coffee. We were talking. And then I said, So who else is on that? Who's doing this jam? And he said, Oh, he said, He's running down lists. He goes, But, and Corey's coming on the ship. He goes, But Corey's not going to play. He's just going because his wife is on and, and he's just going to, you know, be hanging out and whatever. I was like, there ain't. I know Corey. There ain't no way you're gonna have live music and people playing old Van Halen and all this stuff. And Corey is not gonna get up there. And then, sure enough, the cruise happens, and there's a million video clips. See Corey Taylor performing with. So I was like, I knew they'd pull you in, whether it was the
3: pizza or the music. They were pulling you in. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. And I mean, I had Hook hitting me up for days, going, "You know, which ones do you want to do?" And I was like, "Dude, <laughs> I, I, listen, I'm just." there to hang because you know but then but that was before cmft got added and so after that I was like well i can't get out yeah. of it now. I better, right. yeah right but i ended right, up, right. getting up with uh steel panther and uh we ended up doing our uh, that version of rainbow in the dark that i did for the uh the the, the ronnie james steel this is your album. life so that amazing was amazing version that was cool yeah, yeah. And, that, and that you know that was the first time me and tooch had gotten to do it with uh with satch so that oh, was wow. that was a lot of fun to be able to do that, you know. It was really really cool.
1: You know, I was I'm in LA right now. And I saw, I went last night, I went to a jam at the whiskey where they did all Van Halen. And one of the singers that got up and did the VH stuff was uh, Ralph, a.k.a. Michael Starr from Steel Panther. And I've, oh yeah. I have maintained and said, of course, now, you know, now the, sadly, we lost Eddie since, but when Van Halen was kind of in that limbo spot and trying to figure out, uh, are we going to continue with Roth? Is Sammy coming back? Do we get somebody else? I've, I've said repeatedly, that's the guy like he he is like I've never seen anybody do a better David Lee Roth in the presentation vocally uh, uh, visually it's like that's the guy so I was like Van Halen should act like you saw Journey go get a guy that was basically could sing and act not act so much but be you know Steve Perry I mean he's the guy he would have been perfect for it he's it's crazy how much he is
3: David Lee Roth Right, no, absolutely, and and I mean, and Ralph is just one of the best singers around. Anyway, you know, the, so you know the the crazy thing is, is when I first met him and Russ, they were doing, Dan um, Halen tribute, uh, right? Yeah, they were. What was God? What was Atomic that Punks. That's it. They What's... were doing Atomic Punks. Yeah, you know, and this is and this was well before uh, Metal Shop, actually. So and I'm we. Me and Jim met them at the Des Moines Airport uh, shortly after one of the first reunited shows of Stone Sour um, at a uh, the Laserfest, um, which is Laser 103.3 in in Des Moines. They they put on a big radio show. Stone Sour was on it, and so were the Atomic Punks. But then me and Jim had to turn right around and jump on a plane to fly to Europe to meet up with Slipknot because we were finishing up the Iowa tour. So it was this weird, weird kind of uh, culmination of running into them. We'd never met them before, but they were so cool. And then years later finding out, I was like, Oh, those are the dudes in metal shop. It was like, it was rad. You know, it was really cool. So I go way, way back with those dudes, 20 years. I go back with them, man. It's, it's, it's kind of crazy.
1: Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Well, listen man, it's great it's great catching up with you. I know you got a lot going on one of these days I I I hope to see you and uh I'll hit you up. I'm going to be uh I'm going to be in Vegas at the end of February. I don't know if you, Metallica, I'm sure you know is playing in the stadium there, so I'm going to definitely come in and hit that. I, again, I don't yeah, know I don't. if you're getting out or whatever, but I'll hit you up when I'm in town and we'll see uh we'll see what we can do. I'm doing my show from there too when I'm in town too, so we could maybe it'd be great to have you come in and just shoot the shit for a full show if you happen to be home and we we'll try to hook that up. Yeah, man.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, it all depends on what's going on. Uh, uh, my uh, Alicia is actually going to be on tour. Can I plug her real quick? Of course. Yeah, her? yeah. Uh, the Cherry Bombs. The Cherry Bombs are, are doing a headline tour with uh, Them Evils, um, starting February twenty fifth um, and lasting to March fourth. It's a it's a short little head running. Like kind of like a warm up tour that they got going into to the rest of the year because they got a bunch of stuff coming up. Um, but they're going to be playing Albuquerque, Dallas, Houston, San Antonio. I think that's it. But I I, I just want to make sure that you know tickets are on lot. You can go to um, the Cherry Bombs websites or uh, links are in the socials. Uh, go and check it out. You can get tickets there. Uh, it's going to be rad. They're doing macabre in full. Um, or as much as they can, uh, with, you know, I mean, sometimes their show is so big that there's not a venue that can hold it, man. It's, it's ridiculous. But if you want a kick ass rock and roll, heavy metal show with, with fire, with dancing, with hot chicks, with, uh, grinders, with, uh, aerial, with all kinds of crazy stuff going on. Go see the cherry bombs, and uh, you can, like I said, you can find uh, the schedule online. Uh, go to uh, any of their uh, socials and check it out. It's 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 it's, got, it's a rad show.
1: And and real quickly, while we're running down the music stuff, we talked about CMFT. We talked about Slipknot, of course. Is is uh, is Stone Sour still back burner? Is there any any desire for you to revisit that, or is that pretty much on the on on the back burner for now?
3: No, it's, it's on the back burner. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, just, it's just one of those things where my mind and my heart are in a different direction, you know? And, uh, and that's cool. You know, like I, I wish everybody in stone sour all the best. Um, I still talk to almost all of them and, but it's just, you know, sometimes you just got to do what's best for your heart. And this is, that's, that's what I'm doing. So stone is on the back burner. Um, uh, and I'm doing, you know, I'm doing, but I'm also doing a ton of music. So, um, and like I've shown in the, in the, in the solo show, if you want to hear that stuff, um, that's a great place to hear it. Cause I do a ton of stone sour, do a ton of slipknot and I do it, do a ton of covers, do a ton of the originals uh, for the solo stuff. It's a, it's a great show.
1: Well, I'm excited for the Slipknot record, man, because you know me—I love my melody injected into heaviness, and it sounds like—and right. I love what I love, Chapeltown, and I love some of the recent stuff a lot. So I'm real excited for the record, and obviously, the CMFT stuff is killer. And everybody, check out Corey again in the film Rucker R U C K E R, along with his wife Alicia and a bunch of other uh, 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 cast members as well, uh, hitting on th- on Friday, February third, VOD a Blu-ray DVD, and you can see Corey Taylor playing, what was it again, Taco Tuesday?
3: Taco Tuesday, baby. That's right.
1: <laughs> all right. I look forward. Are you in some sort of uh, outfit or disguise, or will everybody know it's immediately you? Are you dressed?
3: No, they'll No me. It's my, my no long hair. It's my Yeah, you can't miss it. All
1: right. All right. Sounds good. Listen, man, um, be well, and I'll, I'll hit you up, and hopefully see you soon, okay? All right. Sounds good, brother. Thanks to Corey Taylor for joining us. Next up, it's Les Claypool from Primus.
0: Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music field trip to America's Jukebox at Myrtlebeach.com.
3: With chocolate treats mixed into dark chocolate ice cream, the Tillamook Chocolate Collection is a chocolate game-changer because the thing that pairs best with chocolate is more chocolate. Tillamook Chocolate Collection ice cream. Extraordinary dairy.
0: Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because...
1: Hey, it's Eddie Trunk. It was great to have Les Claypool on Trunk Nation a few weeks ago. I never interviewed Les before, and he obviously is a huge Rush fan, which so many of us are as well. And Les and Primus are getting ready to go out and play A Farewell to Kings in its entirety. It's the second run of dates that they are doing this. Les checked in with me on Trunk Nation on SiriusXM to talk about why he's doing it and if they continue to Uh, They plan to continue to do it and some Primus stuff in general. So here we go with Les Claypool on the second interview on this week's Eddie Trunk podcast. Looking forward to speaking to this guy. I I don't know if we've ever had the pleasure of speaking, but been a fan and I'm really excited about what he is doing with his band Primus, which is paying tribute to one of my all-time favorite bands, Rush. Joining us right now is Les Claypool. Les, pleasure to see you and talk to you. How are you? Ahoy there. Uh, I'm good. So we're talking about, uh, a tour here, a tribute to Kings going out, doing another run of playing the rush album of farewell to Kings in its entirety. Tell me about the experience of doing it the first time around, because obviously it was positive that you're doing it again.
2: Yeah. I mean, it was, it it, it was pretty spectacular, uh, as far as an undertaking and as far as just, uh, an enjoyment level for us as musicians to play it. I actually look forward to every night, you know, blowing through the primus stuff and getting to the, getting to the rush out. <laughs> it was so much fun to play. Plus I got to wear uh, silk robes. Oh, did you rock the
1: whole look as well? You, I had you did to, that? I, I
2: had to at least write it was, it was kind of fake silk. It was a satiny, but yeah, I had to rock the robes. That was, that was part of the deal. You know.
1: <laughs> so do you start with primus stuff and end with rush or vice versa?
2: Uh, it's kind of a sandwich. It's the rush sandwich with primus bread. Um, we, we do some primus, take a little break, put the robe on. Um, and then we come out and do the, do the, the epic, uh, farewell to King's record.
1: And then you come out at the end to do a few more primus songs. Is that the sandwich?
2: Yes. Um, it usually ends with a, a 20 some odd minute version of Southbound Packeter.
1: <laughs> so you basically so, so you go in and you basically become like a rush superman if you will because you go in and you change into the robes and then you you've channeled 1977 and there you go let's go do farewell to kings
2: you know i like that rush superman uh, uh metaphor uh, i'm the only one that puts the robe on i don't know what the hell is going on with these other guys but i <laughs> i bought four robes and i'm the only one that's sported them so far
1: Talk about how the idea to first do this, and again, uh, Primus has another run of doing A Tribute to Kings, a pretty lengthy one, too. It starts April 15th, Oklahoma City, ending June 20th, uh, 25th in Vegas. Just go to the uh, Primus website to see all the dates. But, but Les, who first, was it you or who in the band first had the idea to do this?
2: Well, it was always a joke throughout the years, you know, well, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do next? Oh, we should go out and do Hemispheres in its entirety. We should do Hemispheres in its entirety. Ha, 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 ha. And then one day we said, maybe we should go do Hemispheres in its entirety. And, uh, then we realized, well, Hem- well, first of all, you can't do Cygnus part two before you do Cygnus part one. Um, sure. but just the notion of doing a rush album in its entirety, um, and 2112 seemed a little too obvious, uh, and Cygnus was always my favorite. When I was a kid, I saw Hemispheres live and, and uh, the tour. And when they played Cygnus, they had the Rossinante on the big screen flying through the black hole. And it was it warped my little 14 year old mind. And uh, so I've always had a soft spot for that song. So the notion of playing that record because that song's on it was a was a very, uh, um, uh, very strong, uh, motivating force.
1: Where that when you first thought of this idea to do this, the other I'm assuming because obviously it's very challenging music to play, and you guys are in your own right great musicians. I get that, but how did the other guys respond when you said, "Hey, let's let's go do all of a farewell to kings in the middle of a Primus set"? Was everybody down with it, or did it somebody have to be sold a little bit?
2: No, it was it was yes. Because the thing is, is even when we all first got together in 1988, uh, because I had had Primus prior to that. With different guys. And then they they left. Um, so Lur was no buddy of mine, and then Herb was just somebody somebody we auditioned. But one of the things that we could connect on, because Lur had this metal background, but he was a Zappa head and a Jerry Garcia head. And Herb was into all this world music. And obviously it was obvious with the size of his drum kit that he must have listened to some Neil Peart, and me, I had all this eclectic weird and funk background so we could connect on Rush we just started playing Rush riffs nothing in its entirety because I don't think I ever knew any Rush songs in their entirety until this thing um but it was it's always been a bonding thing for us um and obviously touring with those guys and and them becoming good friends of ours and whatnot so it, it just it seemed like a very natural thing to do just was a it was just a very it was a big undertaking it's like saying hey let's climb Everest you know we've climbed Lassen we've climbed you know a couple of hills around Concord let's try Everest you know so what the hell and uh we it was a lot of work we've Plus never we- rehearsed so much in our lives as Primus to, than we did doing uh Farewell to King's
1: would you be doing this if Rush were still active and Neil hadn't passed away? Or was this actually brought on a little bit by the fact that we, we don't have Rush anymore?
2: Well, this actually, the idea for this um, came about when Neil was still on the planet at that time. You know, it was, we were supposed to do it, we were supposed to do it a while ago, and then we took the Slayer tour, and um, so we pat we, we postponed it, and then COVID took a chunk out of everybody's, you know, uh, calendar and it, it got postponed again. So actually, when we were originally talking about it, it was mainly just for us to do. And also, yes, a tribute to our buddies. But Neil was still around at that time. when We were first talking about it.
1: Uh, can you talk a little bit about you and the band's relationship with Rush over the years? You mentioned, of course, that you toured with them. Can you talk about that experience and how that, uh, you know, that, that, that blossomed into a friendship and a connection with the guys?
2: Well, it was pretty surreal for young musicians. This was in the early nineties and somebody at the record company said, Hey, I know the rush guys. I want to, want to open for rush. And it was just roll the bones to her. We're like, duh. duh. Um, so uh, it was, it was like an immediate friendship that was sparked it was, it was, it was surreal. Cause those were our superheroes when we were, when, you know, when I was 14, that was, they were my heroes. So, to be a, um, a a man in his mid twenties and all of a sudden just hanging out, broing down, jamming in the locker rooms on a daily basis with those guys uh, was pretty surreal. So, but then it just became well, they're our friends, you know. After you get past the 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 surreal element and they're you're they're your bros, you know. So.
1: Well, and they're e- I'm fortunate to know those guys very well over the decades and have done a lot with them. And that's the thing about it, even from my perspective, not being a musician, doing what I do. I remember, I mean, as a kid interviewing them for the first time, maybe 30 years ago, it's like, holy shit. And then since then, of course, you know, I'm in touch with the guys. I know them. And they're just the thing about Rush and them as people is they're such extraordinarily nice, unassuming people that you can very quickly go from that holy shit there's getty there's alex to hey bud how are you you know and and they're always going to be those guys but as a credit to them as human beings they are just such regular chill people that you can get comfortable around them very quickly yeah 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 i
2: mean i'm i'm a very fortunate human you know i i I tell my kids this all the time. If you get to do what you what you enjoy for a living, you've won the game. Whether you're making $500 a night or $500,000 a night, you know, sure. it's just the fact that you get to get up in the, every day and go, I get to go do what I enjoy for a living. And it, it kind of tarnishes it a little bit, but it's still fucking awesome. So... And because of that I've got to meet a lot of my heroes over the years and and for the most part they've all been really wonderful wonderful people they've become good friends I've been you know, I'm in a band with Stuart Copeland what the hell's going on there you know and he's one of my best friends um, so for me when I look at my resume I'm very very proud of the people I've got to work with and meet and more than anything befriend you know so and it's it's glorious when you meet your heroes and it's it's extra glorious when you find out they're actually just wonderful people, you know. So and those guys are, are wonderful people.
1: Needless to say, Getty, as a bass player, an influence on you. And can you talk a little bit about the impact he had as a player? Because if I'm not mistaken, I had Getty on my show Twice, actually, for his big, beautiful book of bass that he did, which is just this—I'm sure you have it—this incredible, expansive in it. book, and you're in it, right? So we, so obviously, uh, there's there's that connection. But you mentioned as a kid seeing Rush blow it blew your mind. Was that an inspiration to play bass, or were, were you already playing bass at that point?
2: I think I, I had been playing bass for two months when I saw the Hemispheres show, and. I bought scalp tickets and drank three warm low and threw up in the parking lot. And I was 14 <laughs> and it, it, it was the greatest night of my life at that point. Um, so it was, uh, it was amazing to stand there in front of the stage and see Getty's base as they were setting up all their equipment and just drooling over it. Cause I, that was, that was the, that was what I wanted more than anything was a Rickenbacker, but I, I just didn't have any money. But, um, so he was a huge part. It was, you know, I, I didn't. I had a crappy record collection. We just didn't have any money. So, but I had friends that had these huge record collections. This one buddy of mine had all these album covers all over the wall and the ceiling, and it was amazing. We just we'd go and hang out at his house and and smoke weed and just sit around and listen to all his records. And so I'm sitting there, Getty Lee, Geddy Lee, oh Geddy Lee's the best, oh Geddy Lee's the greatest thing in the world. Oh my God, Jesus Christ, Geddy Lee. And he's and he was older, and he's like, you know, I like Getty, Getty's amazing, but you got to listen to this guy. And he played me some Larry Graham, and then he played me some Stanley Clark. and so. In the beginning, Getty, my whole world was about Getty until I discovered some of these other guys, and then I blossomed into this amalgamation of that I am now. Um, but definitely, Getty, like when Getty came to do, he came to my house to interview me for that book, and I said, "Okay, I'll do the interview, but the deal is you have to show me the proper way to play YYZ." And he did, and I've been playing it wrong all these years. So, <laughs> and you sit with Getty, and just the way he phrases things and the way he fingers things, you're just like, oh my god, it's Getty Lee. Nobody does it like that. He just like I was playing the right notes, but I was playing them totally different than the way he does it. So it, it, he, he, he that's what makes him Getty Lee. It's like yeah. what makes what makes uh, fricking Hendrix sound like Hendrix. It's the the, the, the way he approaches his instrument. You know, it's not necessarily buttons he pushes and things he stomps on. So Geddy Lee is 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 Geddy Lee.
1: You mentioned Hemispheres a couple Adject, times. He's which an was, adjective for himself. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned Hemispheres a couple times, which, of course, is the record after A Farewell to Kings. And to many hardcore Rush fans, like the definitive... Prague masterpiece rush record in their catalog i don't know if you feel that way but i know many do and i i know for the band it was very challenging to make and it it stands as that record for the hardcore fans that's kind of always pointed to so the logical question less would be you're, you're doing a whole nother run doing a farewell to kings in the in the uh forward-thinking role of the next time around, would you like to go out and tackle Hemispheres and maybe do that at some future tour?
2: I mean, we always joke about doing that, yes. You know, you got to finish Cygnus. You got to play the whole Cygnus saga. But, I mean, do we want to become the Rush cover band? I mean, not really. We want, you know, you got to be careful and not be, you know, that's the one thing is we don't want to – this is a thing that's fun for us and it's a, and it's a tribute to our bros and we don't want to just feel like, or how people perceive us as like, Hey, Neil has left the planet. The band doesn't play anymore. These guys are milking the cow. You know what I mean? So we got to be a little careful with it, but um, we might learn it and play it on our own. It's just around the practice room. (laughs) I don't, I don't know, but there's no, there's no plans to do
0: what but is, I, but uh, I, agree
2: with, I, I agree with you. When people say, what's your favorite Rush record? And I'm not big on favorites, but it's Hemispheres. Because like most music, for everybody, it represents a time in your life. It's the soundtrack. It was a soundtrack to my 14-year-old life, you know? So...
1: What have the uh, what has Getty and Alex said about you doing this? Have you gotten feedback from them? Have they seen clips online? Have they been to a show? Uh, what has been their response about you going out and doing this, if any?
2: Well, we just like I said, we just did a um, I think I said we just did an interview, one of these Zoom things. Lur and I and Alex did one yesterday for a guitar magazine, and Alex hasn't seen it, he hasn't seen any of the 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 YouTubes or anything. I don't know if Getty has. But I, you know, I text back and forth with Getty every now and again. And, and I asked him before we did this a couple of years ago, hey, is it are you cool with us doing this? And he said, oh, certainly, of course. Yes. And so we got their blessings to do it. But um, we're going to be playing Massey Hall this this um, spring. So I would assume they will be there. I don't I don't know. I you know, I, but I would assume they'll come down.
1: Well, when I looked at the Primus website to see all probably the dates say that on the air. <laughs> well, well, look, it doesn't. <laughs> Les, it doesn't take a genius to figure that out. It, it, you know, anybody who's a Rush fan knows they they they're from Toronto, and that's a legendary venue. And all the world's a stage was recorded there, and and what have you. But uh, when I looked at the, the the dates on the Primus site, I was looking to see, hey, where can I catch one of these shows? And I'm looking at, well, and that one jumps out like, <laughs> da da. You know, Toronto, Massey Hall. Uh, it looks like it's May 14th. That one's just like, it's not, but it almost looks like it should be pulsing and illuminated around all the other dates just because that's the holy ground right there. So one would think that maybe if it's ever going to happen, that would be the spot. Yeah, I mean, who
2: knows? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Were you, was there even almost, like, it's almost like, I know when this next run of dates got announced, there was almost like a thing because they're going to Canada on this run. You were you're you're crossing the border into the hollowed ground of Rush. So there was already excitement that you were just even taking this to Canada. And then obviously the Toronto stop uh, jumps out hugely because there are other stops throughout Canada too we should mention. Well
2: wait till we do the Stomp and Tom Connors tribute album because then <laughs> then the Canadians will really be fired up. Um I mean we we'd always planned on doing all this it just it all Fell apart when the world turned upside down so we're just playing catch up at this point you know we had to cancel we had to cancel five shows on this last run you know two because of uh hurricanes and three because i got covid so you know it's it's
1: these are odd times Yeah, no doubt. A couple more things and I'll let you go. I I wanted to ask you for you personally, you mentioned, of course, Cygnus, but is there another track on A Farewell to Kings when you do this that for you personally stands out that you love playing? I mean, if you look at this record, there's really only one, quote unquote, hit on the record that everybody knows. That would be closer to the heart. The rest, you have to be a Rush fan to know these songs, which clearly you are. I am. Many in your audience probably are. But is there another highlight... Is there how can another you go highlight? Through song? Life
2: not know, how can you go through life not knowing Xanadu? You know, it's like,
1: oh my God. It's, it's but you know a... there's plenty, there's plenty that don't in your audience, I'm sure they do, but in the big scheme of things, you don't hear Xanadu on the radio no, I, ever.
2: I, I, I know, I'm I'm joking more than anything, but <laughs> that, but that's what makes rush fans rush fans. You know, it's like we were the guys that no it, it was like a it was like being a trekkie or something in high school, you know, it's like Very few people got it, but the ones that got it were like, you know, bonded, you know, bonded by Bitor, (laughs) you know know what I mean? (laughs) Like...
1: (laughs) So what's the reaction from the Primus fans in the audience? They're all in on this? They, I mean, when you do Cinderella Man, they're all in on it. They know it. They're like, yeah, this is cool. Or, or is, is there some, do you, do you sense there's a part of the Primus base that when they come, they're like, yeah, let's get to the Primus songs? Or is everybody down with this in the audience?
2: Uh, you know, it's like anything else, you know, uh, you can please all the people some of the time and some of the people all the time or what, you know, whatever Lincoln said. Um, so some people are, are there to see the primus, but I, there's there's some people that that are there just to see the rush thing. And 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 but for the most part, it's it's this, you know, amalgamation of folks, if that's the proper word to be using. Um, uh, but. I think most people would be bummed if we if we only did the the Rush record cuz they're Primus fans you know so
1: sure sure it's and like I said well, it's, the- it's a Rush sandwich where're the bread and Farewell the Kings, at least in its studio version, is roughly thirty five thirty eight minutes long. It's not exceedingly long, six songs, even though there's a couple long ones on there, so it does leave a ton of time for you to do Primus in front of and behind it unless you jam stuff out. I don't know do you extend it beyond its natural running time a lot?
2: No, we do what it's we do that's the that was the glory of look, I love going and seeing bands that would jam it out you know i I love it um play it different every time i love it but that was the thing about rush that i'm you know you go to the show every fill everything was in its place it was it was it was it was a scripted orchestrated piece of music every time it was amazing so um you know it's it's like anything else one night you want sushi and the next night you want some burgers you know it's 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 Uh, and, and, And if you want to
1: see some precise,
2: amazing playing, you would go see Rush.
1: Everybody check out Primus, another run of a tribute to Kings, which we're talking to Les Claypool about right now. Again, the the next run of dates is uh, quite long. Kicks off April 15th, Oklahoma City, and it runs through June 20th, uh, 25th, ending in Las Vegas. You can see all the dates online. Les, before I let you go, above and beyond these shows, anything you can share with the Primus fans in the audience about your band and uh, new music? Uh, anything else you want to share that's coming up?
2: I mean, actually, this new, uh, I've been posting, you know, and I'm an Instagrammer guy now, which is a bizarre thing. Um, but uh, uh, we, I, I got this new rehearsal space, and we, we've been, we did the whole Rush thing there. Now we're recording stuff there. So uh, we just recorded a few songs. So we're hoping we're going to release these things before the next tour. So there'll be a few new Prime songs to, for people to chew on. And one of them is 13 minutes long, so there you go.
1: <laughs> for real? Is it really? Oh yeah. So, so would these just be single releases or is it a goal towards a full record at some point? You know,
2: you just mentioned Farewell to Kings was 36 minutes long, you know, and that's the way it should be. You know, I, when we got into the eighties and CDs and people started making these records that are 20 songs long, it's like, yeah, it's too much, you know? Um, And we're at the point, it's wonderful when you're a young band and you're building your bass and people are, you know, but when you're guys like us, people want to hear a couple new songs. They don't want to hear us going out and playing and they want to hear the old tunes. They want to hear, you know, that's what they want to see. We have so much of our catalog that people are still going, how come you don't play this? Why don't you play that? So we figured let's feed in just a few. So, and the way the world is now with the, with the Spotify's and, 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 and people, the way people acquire music how many people are actually wanting these, these, these long form records or recordings anymore. So I don't know. We're just, we, we thought it would be, it was more fun for us to just focus on getting together and, and, and writing and really polishing and perfecting a few songs. than it was trying to come up with a, a whole album full of stuff.
1: Well, I, I, as a music fan, I, well, <laughs> yeah. I, and I would think a lot of Primus fans would, would, like Your fan base, I would think, would be all in if you gave them a lengthy, fully conceived album. But then again, you don't. You can still make new music and still deliver a record that's 35, 40 minutes long. I mean, a lot of bands still do it. But yes, I agree with you. Some of this stuff, even today, two records of you know, an hour each, it's, it's a lot, especially with the attention span, which is pretty limited from a lot of people these days. So I see both sides of it. But as an old school guy myself, uh, there's nothing better to me than me you getting an actual physical package with every track and a fully conceived, sequenced record. I mean that that journey from last track to uh, first track to last track is something I I still love.
2: I hear you, um, but we didn't have it in us. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it could I mean, come at some point. It's it, not you're it it not could, ruling yes. out ever doing a record again, right?
2: No, 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 no. I, But we could we could accumulate into something. But at this slice of time that we had. To, to do something before the next tour. I wanted to, I just wanted to do one song. I wanted to do one long epic song, which we did. And then we thought, well, shit, this is going to, we're going to put this on vinyl. We got to have something on the other side. So we did two other songs. So we're going to, the idea at this point, whether it happens or not, is I want to do a 10 inch and I want, because they they sound better, the more, you know, you know all that, right? The, the, yeah, the,
1: the bands are further apart. Yeah.
2: Yes, correct. So we want to do a 10 inch and, and release the uh, the the big track and then have the other two tracks on the other side. So that's that's the notion at this point.
1: And as far as playing live, you referenced this a second ago, opening for Slayer. I mean, Primus is a band that can really adapt to any situation proven by the fact that you can go from opening for Rush to playing with a band like Slayer, which back in the day, having seen those guys almost since the beginning, I mean, it was a thing where nobody got over opening for Slayer. you, You were just, even if you were a great band, it was a thing to to get that band off the stage and people just chanting Slayer, Slayer. That's dissipated some in the last 15, 20 years of them touring. It's gotten a, a little more reasonable, but it was a spot a lot of people didn't want for a very long time. How did Primus do on a Slayer tour?
2: I mean, it went, it went great. Um I mean, I would get them chanting Slayer, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um. I would get, I would say Slayers come and Slayers come during a tweakers. <laughs> but um, um, it was, it was a lot of fun. I mean, that's the thing is, it was the same way with Rush. I mean, I saw Rush, I don't know how many times and it was, it was hard to be the opening band for Rush. Um, but it, for us, it worked out very well. Um, but it's also with Primus. It's like being in the opening had taken the opening spot with Primus can be tough sometimes too. So we, we tend to pick people that, that, that we personally are into, so we feel like maybe we're turning people on to some some something interesting. Um, but uh, the Slayer thing was a lot of fun. I mean, we got to. Uh, I think my favorite thing about it was getting to to know and hang out with uh, with with Al from Ministry. More, I'd met him over the years, but to really just kind of hang with him, it was it was we we had a good time. So
1: yeah yeah no doubt all right well listen it's great to talk to you i appreciate a few minutes here today and again everybody check out primus the tribute to king's tour farewell to kings by rush in its entirety with primus tunes before and after it and again the dates are all online les thank you so much i hope to catch one of these shows i'm really looking forward to seeing it eventually and uh all the best to you keep us posted on what you have going on all right thank you very much Well, thanks to Les Claypool. Uh, Be sure to check out video, I believe we have of that, up on the SiriusXM app. Take a look and see. Uh, A bunch of cool video, including the Slash performances up there and a bunch of stuff. Nikki Six special. All that is on the archives of the uh, streaming on the app. Just go to the SiriusXM app and you can hear past shows, interviews, full shows, audio, video. It's all there. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Uh, New episodes every Thursday. Be sure to subscribe, get it free wherever you get your podcasts. Be back next Thursday for another all new episode. Thanks to Joel Pollack for producing and I'll see you guys then.
0: Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent, a place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around, with nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music field trip to America's Jukebox at Myrtlebeach.com.
3: Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see, so...